I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of February 2023, and it's once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, so this is going to be a solo endeavor on my part, so it's just going to be you and me uh, alone together, dear listener. Uh, so bear with me. Uh, these can be kind of tricky to navigate, but um, if you're not familiar with the format, essentially what I'm going to be doing here today uh, is just taking a look at the physical media release calendar. Uh, so as to say, uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs that happen to come out in the month of February 2023. Um, also, if you're not familiar with how this generally works, um, most media releases occur on Tuesdays of each calendar week, um, but I'll be sure to call out the release dates as we go along. Um, so if you're at all curious uh, to follow along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website of blu-ray.com, uh, then head to the movies slash release dates page and jump on over to the February 2023 page. Uh, so it looks like our first uh, proper release date uh, in the month of February 2023 uh, happens to fall on February 7th. Um, and right out the gate, um, I'll just announce that uh, Blu-ray.com generally uh, displays their 4K titles uh, at the top of each release date. Um, so that's generally what we're going to be covering uh, as we head into each calendar week. Uh, so our first major release on February 7th happens to be uh, an MCU release, uh, the latest uh, to come to home media. Uh, that would be Black Panther colon Wakanda Forever uh, from 2022. Uh, this is dropping on both 4K and Blu-ray. Um, this is, of course, a Disney MCU production. Um, I have yet to actually see this, um, and I actually do collect MCU films. Um, my level of investment uh, in in the MCU experiment, uh, it's no longer an experiment. It's it's essentially the world we live in these days. It, it is the media landscape um, has has lessened. Um, it's diminished quite a lot um, in recent years. Um, pretty much, I, I think most can agree. You know, post uh, Infinity War for me kind of was a little bit of a turning point. Like even before Endgame, like Endgame was like the thing that needed to happen but the last the last movie that i think i was like really seriously swept up in and like excited to see unfold before my very eyes was probably infinity war endgame i wasn't as especially happy with um and ever since then it's just kind of like i'm looking at my shelf right now and i can't really point to one that i would call truly exceptional um, just to, to list them off, Captain Marvel, I didn't think much of at all. Um, I thought parts of it were pretty lazy, um, largely in terms of like construction of action sequences. And um, they did some interesting things with the structure of the movie, like the, the sequencing of the edit. Um, but on the whole, I, I just didn't get a whole lot out of that movie. Um, all, of, all of the Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man movies, I... They just haven't 
grabbed me. Like, like I, I have a thing that I say every once in a while. It's like, I just, I'm no longer a teenager, but, and I'm also far enough removed from my teenage years that I'm just not interested in those stories in the same way that I used to be. So I think that might be part of it. It's just, a, they feel a little, they, they tend to skew a little bit younger. Um, and I'm, I'm just not as interested in that. Um, also plenty, I have plenty of, you know, rose tinted glasses for, a you know, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films as, as do many of my contemporaries. So I'm very much guilty of that. Um, so none of those have really done anything particularly amazing for me personally. I know that last one really knocked a lot of people's socks off. Not me. I thought it was fine. Um, Eternals is garbage. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's kind of amazing how, how, how not very good that movie is. Um, Black Widow has moments. Um, some of it's quieter moments, actually. Just it's straight up just dialogue sequences. You can tell that there's there's something going on with the direction, um, but unfortunately, it's it's part of the MCU machine, and we're we can't just do a Marvel movie consisting of that. We can't just do character development in the movie. It has to have a blue space beam, like a space laser beam, come out of the sky. Uh, for the big slam bang action finale, as the the red lighter media guys uh, tend to point out, um, but yeah, uh, that the movie has moments, but I didn't think it was great either. Shang Chi is probably a, if I had if I had to point to one that like worked for me better than some, that might be it. Um, that one I think was a legitimate surprise. Um, it has a lot going for it. Um, it it does bear a, a, a striking resemblance to Black Panther. Um, in terms of like just its overall like silhouette, I guess like it, it it's not a one for one match, but there's there's a similar vibe and and there's similar concepts at work, I guess. But um, that one I'd say is probably a, a standout in some ways in the post uh, Infinity War and Endgame era of the MCU. Uh, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness was fine. It reminded me a lot of uh, like like tokusatsu movies like like japanese uh, superhero like uh, sci-fi fantasy shows and stuff like occasionally they do like uh film adaptations it reminded me kind of of those where it's like it really aggressively shot entirely on green screen sets for the most part um it, it's it's a difficult thing for me to articulate but you know it when you see it um and thor uh thor love and thunder was um kind of embarrassing honestly uh that that one seemed to be very deliberately aiming towards much younger audiences and that's where me as a 35 year old man on the internet starts to feel a little bit embarrassed where it's like oh man i have wasted my life (laughs) keeping up with this thing that uh clearly doesn't care as much about me anymore as it did 10 15 years ago and it's also shocking to say that we're that deep into this thing we've been doing this since 2008 jesus um but yeah i haven't yet i have yet to see black panda uh <laughs> black panda black panther wakanda forever um but i do think it's interesting that's direct it's still directed by ryan coogler um i thought he did a fine job with black panther um, i thought he did an amazing job with creed i have not seen fruitvale station but there's a reason why he was quickly promoted to you know blockbuster filmmaker status it's because he's a talented guy um this movie as far as i've heard has a lot of problems 
And I know some people are, are very, very pro Black Panda. <laughs> I'm never going to not say Black Panda. It, it, it's just how it's going to be. But Black Panther 2. Uh, um, a lot of people really like this movie, but a lot of what I've heard about just some of the rumblings and some of the reviews I've read have pointed to it being a very cluttered film and also a severely handicapped film. Um, because Chadwick Boseman unfortunately passed away part part way into production. Um, I don't know if they were shooting yet, um, but they most certainly had completed writing, as far as I understand. Um, and to to have to restructure in a, a film with a completely new protagonist when you're several years into like into it, that that is that's an insurmountable task like, like that you, you just can't do it like it, just to get the movie done honestly is kind of amazing um so i'm actually very curious to see what the end product actually is um also i believe angela bassett's up for a, a best supporting actress uh, oscar for this one so uh, obviously she, she must have done something pretty remarkable in this film so obviously i'm still somewhat invested in the mcu stuff I, I have a long personal history of reading superhero comics both dc and marvel and you know some dark horse and i i read a lot of fucking comics not that long ago um, i've retired from reading comics i have too many hobbies as it is and something had to give otherwise i wouldn't be able to pay my fucking rent um, so i no longer read comics but uh, these characters and their mythologies um i know them quite well uh, so the the it's it's a funny thing, but as adequate as a lot of these movies tend to be, there is just just a small novelty factor that comes from uh, seeing these things that you you read when you were young, uh, realized in in glossy high definition with two hundred million dollar budgets on the silver screen. Uh, it it does still carry a little bit of novelty to it. For me personally, anyway, just a little bit. It 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 is starting to dwindle. But uh, to quote that that guy from that pro wrestling video, one of the funniest fucking things you'll ever see on the internet. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, moving on, uh, we have a uh, something else completely different. Uh, a Shout Factory 4K release of Bubba Hotep. Um, which is a movie I, I, I know my brother has seen. Uh, I know a lot of my friends like this one, but I actually haven't caught this one. Uh, this was directed by Don Coscarelli and is, of course, uh, headlined by Bruce Campbell. Uh, it also features Ozzy Davis. I have heard this one's a lot of fun. Um, haven't seen it, but I absolutely love Bruce Campbell. I do want to read his, uh, I think it's an autobiography, um, If Chins Could Kill. Um, he's just... He, He's just an impossibly affable screen presence. He seems like a pretty cool guy in general. Um, so I would totally watch this. I'm not about to blind buy it on 4K, though. Um, I will do that for Black Black Panda. <laughs> Black Panther. I'm, I'm doing it on purpose now. Um, I will do that for Black Panther, too. But um, sorry, Bubba Hotep. Uh, I got to see you first. Um, we also have uh, Three Colors, in f uh, which is a uh, 4K three-pack uh, from the Criterion Collection. So this is our first uh, Criterion Collection release uh, for uh, the month of February 2023. 
it looks like an absolutely beautiful package. Uh, not anything that I personally am interested in, but uh, we do have a saying here at Catching Up on Cinema, if it is part of the Criterion Collection, it is more than likely worth your time. Uh, so you probably could you probably could blind buy that and probably get something out of it. Um, we also have a 4K release of The Return of Swamp Thing, uh, which is Swamp Thing 2. Uh, I think this is the one with Heather Locklear. And uh, I want to say the guy's name is uh, Dick DeRock. Yeah, Dick DeRock. Dick DeRock uh, is the fellow that plays, uh, the fellow wearing the Swamp Thing costume. For some reason, that's just like one of those uh, trivia factoids I remember. I think it was because... I think there was like a Swamp Thing TV show, maybe in the late '80s or early '90s, that I caught some, uh, I caught some commercials for when I was a kid. I never saw it, but I, d- I think I did watch that cartoon a little bit. And one of my friends definitely had some of the action figures. But I think it was the commercial that, like the, uh, the announcer, the narrator of of the commercial, said the name of the Swamp Thing guy. It was like Dick DeRock. It's like well, I'm, there's a person named Dick DeRock, and he's in a Swamp Thing outfit. I gotta see this, and I never did. Um, I've seen both. I've seen both the the live action Swamp Thing movies. Um, first one is I think that's a Wes Craven movie, and it's not good. Uh, it's really not good. Uh, but uh, Return of Swamp Thing is also not good, um, but it is campy at times, not consistently so. But it is, it does know, it is somewhat self-aware. Uh, so at the very least, you get some of that, and also the makeup effects are considerably better um, than the original. Um, in particular, I remember liking the. Uh, I think it's a leech. Uh, it's like a leech man monster that is. I think he. I think he's like a, a presence in the first half of the movie, and then he, I think he gets killed off or something. But I remember him looking pretty cool. Um, it's a it's a campy little mess of a movie. I wouldn't recommend it by any means, but I, I caught it on cable at some point, and then I kind of forgot about it. But now it's on 4K. Um, I guess uh, Warner Brothers is uh, pushing out every IP they've got. It's like everybody in the pool. It's like Swamp Thing. I, I, he's got to have some cachet with the kids. You know, they, they're all about that Swamp Thing. Um, we also have a uh, DC slash Warner Brothers uh, animated release of uh, a direct-to-video film, uh, Legion of Superheroes, also on 4K. That's that's part of the DC cinematic universe and animation form that's been going on and on and on for a very long time if memory serves the first one of those was uh superman doomsday and i believe that came out when i was in college Uh, i did buy that on dvd i no longer have it um, because frankly it wasn't very good uh but that is that is like one of those uh that's like one of two uh dc comics events that if they ever adapt it um to to like a, a film or animation format i will bite for it um, it's the death of Superman and, uh, the breaking of the bat, uh, or nightfall. Uh, if you're familiar with the comic arc, uh, that's when Bane shows up and breaks Batman's back. Um, if they ever adapt that either of those stories, I, w- I will bite for it. Uh, they actually, DC and Warner brothers actually have made two death of Superman, uh, animation, uh, adaptations. I have bought both of them. Um, they're both not good. <laughs> um, they have yet to do Nightfall, though. 
Um, and I really, I really hope they do. Uh, because like I said, I will, I will blind buy the shit out of that. I, I will gobble that shit up. I, if you make it, I will come potentially in my pants. Uh, if it's good, that is. Um, but yeah, this is this stuff. This uh, these direct-to-video uh, DC Comics uh, films have been going on for a really, really long time. Is what I'm trying to point out. Uh, moving on, that's also available in Blu-ray, by the way. Um, we have a Kino release of That Man Bolt, uh, which looks like a black exploitation film starring. Hey, it's Fred Williamson. Uh, could be a little bit of fun. Um, I've seen him do some fun stuff. He's he's fairly affable on screen. Um, if memory serves, he was uh, one of the he was one of the tough guys in a uh, From Dust Till Dawn, um, among many other films. He generally just plays tough guys. <laughs> that's that's kind of his mo. Um, we also have an Arrow release of The Vagrant, um, which has a really grotesque cover. Um, definitely one that you want to have facing outward if you have company over. Um, it's from 1992, and uh, oh wow. Uh, if you look at the cast for this sucker, uh, we have a 1992 Bill Paxton and a Michael Ironside. Um, I don't know what this is, but I really like both of those fellas, uh, so I would totally watch this without knowing anything about it, really. Um, beside that, uh, we have A Woman Kills, uh, which comes to us from Radiance Films, which... Um, just based on regularly browsing the blu-ray.com uh, release calendar i actually don't hang out in the forums just so we're clear that that my buddy brad from the cinema speak podcast i kind of lean on him to do that business to do that dirty work um but just looking at the calendar uh to my recollection i think i've only started to see radiance films uh discs pop up on the calendar at least in in the u.s region um, very recently, um, they their uh, their cover art has a, a very uh, distinct appearance to it. It has like a, a, a strip of color running through it that displays the title of the film along with like production notes and whatnot. Uh, you'll know it when you see it. But I've only seen a couple of these so far. Um, the previous one, I believe, was a Japanese film. Um, I can't remember the title off my head, off, off the top of my head, but um, that's exciting though. It's always exciting when when a, a new a new player emerges like when somebody new arrives uh, with some new content out there um we have cinematic sorceress colon the films of nina menkes uh this is a 1983 to 2010 collection of films uh from arbelos um who also uh is not a label they're not a label that's especially well known to me um, the only title that I'm, I'm recognizing uh, from previously browsing the, the calendar here is a Satan Tango. Um, I do remember seeing that one on the calendar because that looked that looked very interesting. Um, so we got lots of new players uh, arriving on the Blu-ray scene lately, at least in the U.S. Uh, need to make that distinction. Um, we have uh, Pinocchio 964 from Media Blasters. Uh, this is from 1991. Um, and actually, this is a film that I only became aware of fairly recently. Um, so it's actually kind of timely. Uh, like, it's actually, it works out pretty well that this is getting a, a, a U.S. release in HD uh, now, uh, shortly after I became aware of it. Uh, directed by Shouzin Fukui. 
um, who, as far as I know, this is a very strange film um, and a very strange from a very strange filmmaker um, that it's a apparently stylistically it's in a similar vein to Shinya Tsukamoto's uh, like Tetsuo films. So it's like uh, it's kind of like Japanese cyberpunk. Um, but it's it's from 1991. Uh, the late 80s and early 90s seem to be a like a a hot period for that particular subgenre. Um, I've seen images and a couple of clips here and there of this film and other films from this director. Um, I can't speak to his uh, talent as a director of narrative or actors, but um, from a visual standpoint. Th- the man knows how to put interesting images on the screen. Uh, So this is not a film that I would blind buy, but this is a film that I would actually be very, very interested to see, Um, just to see exactly what it is. Um, So that's kind of an exciting release uh, for anybody who's into that sort of thing. Um, We have Marco Polo from 1962. Uh, This stars Rory Calhoun and Yoko Tani. Um, And this is from Kino as well. Uh, They tend to have quite a lot of releases from month to month so i'm not surprised that we're already getting a lot of them in the first week here uh, we have dot com for murder from 2002 that's an arrow release a uh, big one for me kind of not one that i'm going to be picking up but it's a uh, i don't know it's a, it sets an important precedent i guess uh, we have common writer yuki uh from shout factory uh this is the common writer series from 2002 to 2003 um, unfortunately, it's a series that I have no interest in watching. Uh, a lot of it comes down to like plain old aesthetics. I'm not an especially big fan of the costuming design for the common writers featured in Yuki. Um, but uh, I, I absolutely love me some common writer. Uh, tokusatsu is very much a personal passion of mine. Um, and we don't get much common writer here in the U.S. Um, and it, I think the floodgates are starting to open because we're starting to see a lot more common Rider stuff arrive on our shores. Um, I'd just like to see, you know, the right common Rider stuff <laughs> arrive on our shores because um, I only have so many hours. I only have so many ticks of the clock left in my life. Um, and I'm not about to waste my time uh watching every common Rider or Ultraman show that e- that ever comes out because the shit's never ending it never ceases um and i have to be selective for my own protection <laughs> um so common writer yuki is not one that i'm going to be checking out um, but it is really cool uh, to see it getting a, a domestic release um, because we really up until now have not gotten the shit um despite you know myself and others in this region uh, having a lot of passion for it and going to a lot of trouble to pirate this shit over the years. Um, now I don't have to. Now I can pay good hard-earned cash uh, to, to get it. Uh, moving on, though, uh, we have um, Invaluable, colon, the true story of an epic artist. Uh, striking cover art. It's from Synapse Films, uh, so I have an idea of, of what this is, what the, what the vibe is going to be about here, but I'm just going to read a little i'm gonna read the the back of the box uh poll quote here an in-depth look at evil dead special effects artist tom sullivan and how he helped get evil dead off the ground with the help of some of his friends 
starring Bruce Campbell, Ellen Sandwise, Betsy Baker, Hal Delrich, Ted Raimi, <laughs> and more. This could be a lot of fun. Um, it sounds like it would, you know, it's a documentary about this fellow Tom Sullivan who did uh, some of the effects work for Evil Dead, um, but it also sounds like a, you know, a retrospective uh, review of of Evil Dead, of the making of Evil Dead, which um, I know is a very interesting story. Uh, so that might be an interesting angle to take on telling that sir on that telling that story. Uh, so I'm not going to be blind buying that or anything, but that's apparently from 2014. Um, it looks like uh, Synapse did a really good job with putting that package together. Uh, that's a, you know, I'll keep that in mind. Maybe if it pops up on Shutter or something, I'll watch it. Uh, we have Don't Deliver Us From Evil uh, from 1971. Uh, this is from Mondo Macabro. Uh, and it's... Uh, yeah, I don't care to read the plot summary for that. It's too damn long. But it's two, two little girls. They's on fire. That's wonderful. Looks like a great-ass movie. Uh, we have spoiler alert from 2022. This is a Universal Studios release um, starring Jim Parsons and Ben Aldridge. Uh, the story of Michael Osilo and Kit Cohen's relationship that takes a tragic turn when Cohen is diagnosed with terminal cancer. It's a it's a cancer story. Uh, not for me, but I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people out there will jump at the chance to check that out. Um, Moving on down, uh, we have uh, TFW No GF, uh, which stands for That Feeling When No Girlfriend. And on the cover art of this is a, is a, very, it's a very minimalist cover. It's monochrome. Um, and we have uh, a couple of meme faces on there, uh, specifically the, the meme uh, from which the title is derived. Uh, Plot description is following the creator of the internet post called TFW No GF, which symbolizes isolation, rejection, and alienation. Um, this is from Massacre Video. It's from 2020, so it's actually a couple years old at this point. Um, uh, culture evolves so fucking fast these days that it's like, I don't know if this would still be as relevant it just, just in the passing of a couple of years. Um, but there is part of me that is very intrigued. Like I actually am fascinated with this sort of thing. Um, the way that the internet seems to bring out the worst in people and, and I, I'm not going to get into it here. This isn't the time or the place, but the point is I'm, I'm somewhat interested in the subject matter if they treat it in a mature fashion. Um, moving on though. Uh, we have Giantess Battle Attack um, from 2022. Uh, this is from Full Moon Features, who, uh, it, when they aren't putting out uh, Puppet Master stuff, uh, apparently they're putting out uh, Giantess, uh, like fetish films, uh, fetish slash horror films, uh, because I have noticed a lot of these uh, Attack of the 50 Foot Woman uh Esque films being put out uh, by their banner uh, pretty regularly over the past several months. Um, again, in between releases of Puppet Master and uh, those sorts of films, uh, Demonic Toys and uh, Trancers films as well. Um, so this is just a, another in the long line of uh, Giantess Battle Attack films, um, none of which have borne that title until just now. Um, what else we got? Uh, we got Night Feeder from 1988. Uh, that that uh, cover art is 
uh, I can't really make out what I'm supposed to be looking at, and the font, uh, specifically the drop shadow applied to the word feeder, is a little embarrassing. Um, I, I have and could do better. Um, actually kind of surprising, because if, if you look at uh, some of this label's uh, other releases, uh, SRS Cinema, um, they have some stunning covers in their, in their filmography. This is not one of them. Um, oh wow, they put out a release of uh, Howl from Beyond the Fog. Um, that's a uh, Daikaiju short film uh, that I actually was really interested to check out at some point, just because of the uh, love and attention to detail put into the design of the, the monster. Uh, it looks really incredible. I actually followed the Twitter account of the director, uh, and I got to see some really interesting behind-the-scenes images. Um, anyway, that's about it for the first week of uh, February 2023. Um, so I'm going to move on down the line here. And our uh, our next uh, proper re- release date happens to be Valentine Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, uh, as my uh, girlfriend's uh, nephew uh, tends to say it. Uh, February fourteenth. Uh, so our first major release uh, is another one of those big ass fucking films that I haven't seen. Another one that's up for Oscars that I haven't seen. Uh, Steven Spielberg goes uh, The Fablemans uh, on four K and Blu-ray uh, from 2022. Um, this is somewhat of a divisive film. Uh, I've heard it is schmaltzy in ways that are unwelcome to some um, and brilliant in ways that are, I guess, not universally appreciated. Um, very divisive film from what I understand, but it is up for Oscars and stuff, so it must have done something right, but you know, Steven Spielberg does carry a lot of cachet uh, when it comes to Academy voters' uh, hearts and minds and stuff. Um, I really want to see this. I really do. Like, I don't think the, I don't think the girlfriend uh, has, has any interest in seeing this, but I, I really do have a strong interest in films about, about filmmaking. Um, and the fact that this is a, a little bit of a personal film to the director um, all of that adds up to something that I really, really want to see. Um, I, I have yet to see this, like I said, I'm, but I am actually considering blind buying it, uh, just because in my mind, I, I, how could anyone not like it? Like, I, I refuse to believe that it, it's outright bad. Um, and the subject matter greatly interests me. Um, so this is a maybe for me. Um, beside that we have, um, from Criterion, uh, Romeo and Juliet, uh, the Franco Zeffirelli uh, version from 1968 that I actually uh, remember watching in school. Um, this is this is a pretty straightforward adaptation of the source material, as far as I understand, of of the Shakespeare play. Um, I haven't seen it since I was in school, um, but I remember I remember being engaged. Like, I actually did not have any sort of problems uh, getting on with, with what it was presenting to me. Uh, it's a very handsome film to look at. Um, more than that, though, um, and I apologize, I actually can't remember the name of the composer, uh, the music, uh, the central theme uh, of the film is it's an earworm. Uh, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's a beautiful piece of music. Um, I, I, I have 
actually listen to it on my own time from time to time. Uh, I really enjoy the theme music of this film. So even though I don't have much interest in rewatching the film, uh, the music is a strong recommend. Um, we have beside that decision to leave, uh, which is being put about put out by Mubi, um, who actually don't know their country of origin, but this is actually listed on Blu-ray.com as their first release, which is a big fucking deal. Um, this is Park Chan Wook's uh, most recent film, uh, and I've heard it's excellent. Uh, I've heard some really amazing things about this one. Haven't seen it yet, um, but it's from Park Chan Wook. And it's supposed to be very, very good, so therefore it's on my radar. Um, beside that, we have a movie that finally, a fucking movie I've seen, besides Romeo and Juliet, that is. Um, and it's actually one that I'm legitimately excited about. Um, we have Biozombie from 1998. Uh, this is from director Wilson Yip, uh, who I'm a huge fan of. I've watched most of his films, I own most of his films. Um, I first became aware of Wilson Yip um, due to his collaborations with Donnie Yen. Um, I got in on the ground floor of that collaboration in the form of SPL, uh, and then I have watched everything that they've done together uh, since then. In fact, I've, I've watched the ones that didn't have Donnie Yen. I've just kept up with Wilson Yip, Yip since then. Uh, he did do a couple of like comedies and stuff uh, in the intervening years between the release of Biozombie and his collaborations with Donnie Yen that I haven't seen. Um, but for the most part, I have seen quite a lot of Wilson Yip's filmography. I think he brings a lot of energy and an excellent eye for cinematography. Um, and he has, a, he has a good sense for for not necessarily plantings and payoffs, but just just delivering satisfying experiences. Uh, it, it's hard for me to, to quantify or, or, or articulate, but he's a, he's a very solid filmmaker. I like him quite a lot. And Biozombie was a film that when I was, I think it was before I saw SPL, so pre-2004, 2005, um, my brother introduced me to this movie. Um, he and his friends in like high school, they, they were all about this movie. They thought it was hilarious. I don't even know how they came across it, but I remember my brother, uh, he got like a bootleg DVD of Biozombie. And he, oh, as a family, I think we watched it. I don't know if my dad was there, but I'm pretty sure my mom was in the room. Uh, so we all watched this. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, wow, that was great. <laughs> it's like it goes in so many wild directions and it's it's it, it, it in terms of tone it, it goes all over the place um but it has a killer ending and it has so much color and action in the in the middle portions that it's very difficult to get bored um i love biozombie um and i've only ever seen it on bootleg dvd and here we have a vinegar fucking syndrome release of it on blu-ray um so i I'm really excited to pick this up, actually, uh, because I, I really enjoyed this movie when I saw it on a shit-ass uh, bootleg DVD, and I'm really excited to see what Vinegar Syndrome does with it, because they they really are excellent at what they do, for the most part. Um, so that's a big one for me. Um, we also have from Vinegar Syndrome the Devonsville Terror uh, from 1983, which is not known to me, but... Hey, it's Vinegar Syndrome. They probably picked it for their catalog for some reason. Um, additionally, we also have uh, Goodbye 20th Century, 
which is also not known to me, but it's also from 1998, same year as Biozombie. Um, moving on, we have Strange World on 4K uh, from Disney. This is a Disney animated film. I don't believe this is a Pixar. Um, as far as I understand, this movie did really, really poorly at the box office, at least domestically, I think. Um, I only know everything I know about it comes from uh, my buddy Brad uh, from the Cinema Speak podcast review of it. Um, so if you're interested, check out his episode because I, I have nothing to say about this one. Um, from 1993 and from Shout Factory, we have Iron Monkey, uh, which is a uh, who directed this sucker? Is this Wu Ping? Yeah, it's Yuan Wu Ping. Uh, this is a Wu Ping film. Uh, I only saw the American version of this, which I don't know if they made any cuts to it, but it is most certainly dubbed. Um, but that version of it was was solid. Now this one's a lot of fun. It, it's a it's a Wuja film uh, to the extreme. Like the wire work in this film is out of fucking control. <laughs> um, but uh, we have Donnie Yen in here. Uh, he he actually, if memory serves, shows up a little bit late to the narrative. And uh, he's at, he's not the main character of it, um, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's very colorful. A lot of crazy wire work. Uh, there's a, a youngster in it. I, I think it may be a, a a young girl playing a boy, if memory serves. Um, whoever whoever they are, whatever they are, uh, they they turn in an excellent martial arts performance. Uh, they have a couple of spotlight scenes for themselves. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, not one that I'm in a hurry to add to my collection, um, but if you're interested, like if your familiarity with like martial arts cinema only goes as deep as like say Ipman or something, and you and you like Donnie Yen and you want to see some of his somewhat earlier work, he 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 has earlier work than this. But if you want to see some of his early stuff from the '90s, you could do a lot worse. Um, we have uh, Enter Santo colon the first adventures of the silver masked man uh, from 1961 uh, this is from powerhouse films uh, which is apparently associated with indicator uh, which is a british uh, distribution label that uh, again kind of only recently started putting out titles in our region um, I, I actually have a santo uh, lucha libre mask um, but I've never actually seen a Santo film aside from maybe some clips from a, like an insane clown posse <laughs> video from way back in the day. Um, cool stuff though. It's neat that they're putting that out. Uh, we have a shutter original in the form of dark glasses from 2022. I'll have to ask Brad about that just to annoy him. Uh, we have a Francois Truffaut collection from 1970 to 1978. Uh, this appears to be being put out by Kino. Uh, we also have The Bride War Black from 1968 also being put out by Kino. Uh, we have a title that I actually already have. Um, this is a Korean film called Project Wolf Hunting. Uh, this is from Well Go, uh, who generally specialize in just <laughs> vaguely Asian cinema. I say that because they don't have like a, a country that they're specifically allied with uh it's just like things from roughly that that massive continent <laughs> or it's just like uh korea china philippines thailand japan all that business all that stuff over there um but they typically do a very very good job uh with their discs and they're also very reasonably priced 
I don't know what sort of deals they got going on, but they must be sweet. Um, so this is a movie that I I was pretty hyped to check out um, because I only I only knew it through like a couple of clips I saw on like Twitter. It was just a couple of clips of, of instances of violence in the film, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I I need it. Um, so I went into this one largely blind. Um, I will say that the cover art for the film does spoil things a little bit and also the film spoils things a little bit because the sequencing of events the 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 pace at which it it provides information to us the viewer i feel like maybe they jumped the gun a little bit because i i kind of wanted to be thrown into the deep end without explanation and unfortunately this movie goes to great lengths to explain itself too frequently especially towards the end and it, it spoils an otherwise very visceral and immediate experience because when we're not doing plot stuff, when, when we're not world building, this movie is, is, is very visceral and violent and, and gripping. Uh, the execution of the violence and the action in particular is, is very good. And also some of the acting performances, in particular the bad guys. Um, Korea does bad guys uh, and they do it well. Um, we, we could learn a thing or two from, from the, the Korean school of bad guy acting, uh, because villains in Korean films tend to be like, like there, there's no gray. It's just that they're pitch black, evil, demonic, monstrous figures. <laughs> like they, they can't be bargained with. They're evil. They're just, they're just bad motherfuckers. <laughs> and we have quite a lot of that going on in this film and they're, they're played to the hilt. Uh, I've loved it. Um, but then the movie starts trying to explain itself and starts telling me things that I, I did I wasn't asking about in the first place. And then it starts getting sequel baity at a certain point where you're like, oh no, I, I don't think I don't think this story's gonna wrap up cleanly. And on the whole, it just makes for a, a somewhat uneven experience. So I gave it like a 3.5 out of five stars on Letterboxd, and I think that's fair. Because I, I did like it, I did enjoy it. I just found that it had a lot of flaws that, and a lot of it had to do with just, unfortunately, the the movie industry, just the the nature of the movie industry, getting in the way of the movie. Um, so I I do own this movie. I have watched it. Uh, I, I guess I would recommend it, especially if you're in the mood to see a lot of bloodletting, because the amount of fluid. Uh, it's not like a, a super gory film in terms of like eviscerations or like limbs being torn off and stuff, but just the sheer amount of blood spilt in this movie is it, it's impressive. Let's say that much. <laughs> uh, moving on though, uh, we have um, a uh, wow. Uh, sorry, I'm hitting a gap here where it's like, is there anything here that I want to say anything about? Because there's stuff here that I could. I know my buddy Brad would have plenty to say about, but I'm, I'm like, nah, not so much me. Um, I will say that Three Days of the Condor uh, is being put out by Paramount. It looks like um, this may have existed previously, though, on Blu-ray, so I have no idea the reason uh, for this re-release, but that's a, that is a dad fucking movie. That's a dad movie. Um, most certainly one that was recommended to me by my dad at some point or another. Um, yeah, I'm going to call it quits on this week, uh, because there, there are interesting things. They're just not things that interest me specifically. 
Um, so let's move on to February 21st, 2023. And our first major release uh, for that week is The Magnificent Seven from 1960. This is a 4K release from Shout Factory. And it looks like it got a 4.5 out of 5 in terms of uh, image quality, uh, which is promising. Um, this is a movie that I actually haven't seen, but I, I'm actually very curious to see. I've only ever seen the uh, Antoine Fuqua uh, remake of it from a few years back. Um, and I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed that a lot, actually, because, mostly just because it's a it's just a gleeful exhibition of old fashioned Hollywood stunt work. Just like every cowboy trick you can imagine is incorporated into the choreography of that film, in particular the finale. And as, as somebody who really, really appreciates that sort of thing, it was a lot of fun for me personally. It's not brilliant filmmaking by any means. Nobody's going to win an Oscar for their performances in there. Uh, although Ethan Hawke really does have a lot of fun with his role, I will say. He, he makes a lot out of a little. Um, but I, I've never actually seen the original uh, Magnificent Seven. I believe there's three of these Magnificent Seven movies of varying degrees of quality. Uh, if memory serves, one of the sequels is good and one of them's forgettable. Uh, but the original is apparently quite good. Um, this is, of course, the American uh, Western adaptation of uh, Akira Kurosawa's uh, The Seven Samurai. Um, and uh, as far as I understand, it's it's it doesn't embarrass itself. Uh, it's a very good film in its own right. Um, and it also features an absolutely all-star fucking cast. Uh, just to read it off, just because it's kind of cool. Um, we have Yul Brynner, Eli Wallach, Steve fucking McQueen, Charles fucking Bronson, Robert fucking Vaughn, and Brad Dexter. Who, that, that last name there, I'm like, I, I could pretend I know who that is. I'm sure he's a big deal to somebody out there, not me personally. But all those other guys are fucking badass. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely all-star cast. Um, and I've, as far as I know, an extremely successful film uh, and one that I would very much like to check out. I am considering buying this because um, lately as I'm getting older, I'm starting to be more interested in Westerns. That has absolutely nothing to do with the success of Yellowstone. I do not watch Yellowstone. I know it's in the air, but but that's not the reason for it. I think it's just I'm getting older and that, that sort of thing is more appealing to me. But um yeah, I, I may actually end up picking this up. Um, we have a Criterion release, a 4K Criterion release, not something you get every day, of Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Um, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast is a very big fan of Richard Linklater. Uh, we actually talked uh, just last month about how I know nothing <laughs> or next to nothing about Linklater and his filmography. So unfortunately, I have very little to say about this other than it's on fucking 4K. Um, and I know a lot of people will be really excited to pick this one up. <clears throat> we have a two pack of uh, Slumber Party Massacre and Slumber Party Massacre 2. Uh, this is from Shout Factory or Scream Factory rather. Uh, two movies, three cuts, by the way. Uh, this is a bundle pack. Um, <clears throat> I believe I believe these have been put out previously. Um, I'm not positive on that. Um, but these are 
as far as I remember, I think the gimmick of this one was obviously like the killer uses a drill bit. He uses a drill as his his weapon of choice. But I seem to recall like it's either the first one or the second one or both that it's it's somewhat tongue in cheek, like it's it's a self aware slasher. Could be wrong on that, but that that's what I seem to remember. <clears throat> anyway, uh, beside that we have the remains of the day uh, on 4K from 1993. Uh, this is a Sony Pictures release, and it's directed by James Ivory and stars Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. Uh, could be interesting. Not one that I'm familiar with, uh, but 1993. That's uh, Anthony Hopkins was probably riding very very high around then. Uh, we have Magnificent Warriors from 1987. Uh, this is from 88 Films, and uh, this is a label that I, in particular, uh, am very excited to start to see um, have releases in my region. Uh, I believe they are British, um, and as a result, a lot of their titles tend to be Region B. Um, but very recently, they've started to put out Region A releases, and uh, as a as a huge fan of martial arts cinema, um, their catalog is of great interest to me. Uh, unfortunately, this is not a title that I'm super enthusiastic about, uh, but I know it to have an excellent reputation. I know it's a good movie. It's just not one that I'm super hyped for. for. Uh, so it's cool that they're putting stuff out. Just you know, put do better about putting out the stuff that I want. Um, we have a 4K release of Jack Ryan colon Shadow Recruit from 2014. Um, I saw that. Did you? I didn't think so. <laughs> um, I want to say that that uh, that performance uh, served as the foundation for Kenneth Branagh's uh, his villain role in Tenet, because uh, he's also playing a, like a stone-faced uh, Eastern European or Russian character. He's playing basically the same character in both films. Um, I believe he also directed Jack Ryan, uh, which was kind of out of left field. Um, we have The Hunter from 1980 from Kino. Uh, from Blue Underground, we have Eugenie. I, I, I don't speak French, I'm sorry, from 1970. Um, and we also have the Marquis de Sades, uh, Justine, uh, on 4K from 1969, also from Blue Underground. I know who the Marquis de Sade was, <laughs> uh, so I, I know a little something about what that's probably about. Um, we have on 4K, uh, Certified Fresh, by the way, uh, Station Eleven from Paramount Pictures. Um, and the uh, plot description is as follows. Survivors of a devastating flu pandemic try to rebuild their lives after losing everything. Uh, and if my eye does not betray me, that is Mackenzie Davis on the cover. Uh, this is apparently a uh, TV miniseries. Uh, and uh, wow, uh, timely uh, in terms of the plot of that particular story. Uh, Certified Fresh? I, I personally don't know anything about it, though. Um, let's bop on down. Uh, we have a we have our requisite uh, monthly Nicolas Cage release uh, in the form of The Old Way uh, from 2022. This is a Lionsgate film um, directed by Brett Donahue. Yeah, Donahue. Uh, <laughs> that is quite the name. Um I've seen this advertised. I don't know much about it. It looks like kind of a low-key uh, Nick Cage film. Um, as far as I know, he hasn't done westerns before, though. So this this might be 
this, this might be an important film for him like because my memory doesn't recall any instances of him doing westerns um so for for him this may have been a lot of fun just to you know check that off the list where it's like i have done a western nobody will remember it but i did one uh and oh hey we have clint howard listed in the cast um always happy to see clint howard and his forehead um we have uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight from 1962 uh, from Mill Creek Entertainment. Uh, this is directed by Ralph Nelson and stars Anthony Quinn and also features Jackie Gleason and Mickey Rooney. Um, this is a movie I know by reputation and um, as, a, uh, as a huge fan of uh, boxing and, and its history, uh, this is a film that I, I absolutely should have seen at some point. I just haven't. Um, that's a maybe. That, that this is a maybe as far as pickups go. Um, we have a Korean film in the form of Broker uh, from Decal Releasing, and uh, let's see what else have these people put out. Uh, Decal Releasing, that is. Um, ah, okay. So they they generally put out good things, <laughs> from what I can tell. Um, Infinity Pool, they have the rights to. Uh, Titan, Crimes of the Future, Pig, Spencer. Um, yes, these people generally work with quality. Um, so that makes me have high hopes for this one. Um, also, director uh, Hirokazu Koreeda. Um, I've heard that name many, many times. Japanese director seems to do uh, Korean films, though. Um, I, I've heard that name. I, I'm trying to think of what else... Uh, to associate with it but anyway probably a very very good film uh just looking at the screen caps for it i can see uh many familiar faces from korean cinema in there uh it seems to be a very strong cast uh at the very least um we have empire of light uh from 2022 this is coming to us from disney buena vista uh and this is from director sam mendez uh and stars olivia coleman and uh, colin firth is in there as well um I've heard very, very good things about this, and uh, Sam Mendes generally doesn't miss. Um, yeah, that's probably a very, very good film. Um, moving on, though, we have uh, Re- The Retaliators uh, from Quiver Films. This is being uh, this is from 2021, uh, and Quiver Films also gave us uh, Becky, uh, a film that uh, my buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast reviewed. Uh, that's from directors Jonathan Millot and Carrie Mernian. Um, apparently that one's getting a sequel very, very shortly. Um, they also put out Money Plane, uh, as Kelsey Grammer tends to say it. Uh, the Fanatic, uh, the, the John Travolta film. Uh, and <laughs> I believe it's I believe it goes down in history as the first Redbox produced film, Chick Fight. Uh, which I did end up watching because Kevin Nash is in it. <laughs> That's largely all. Um, Retaliators has been popping up. I don't know anything about it, but it has been popping up in a lot of news feeds that I I subscribe to, uh, chiefly ones dealing with uh, action and martial arts cinema. Um, and it seems to be, it seems to have positive buzz in those circles. Um, so if you're the kind of person who straight up just action violence and martial arts is enough to get you to pull the trigger on watching something might not be a waste of time uh we have the inspection from 2022 this is a lionsgate release certified fresh and a golden globe nominee by the way 
Um, this is from... Oh, they don't want to tell me who directed it. Um, anyway, uh, I have seen this movie advertised. It uh, looks like a, a pretty heavy drama. Um, I've heard good things, generally. Um, moving on, though... Uh, <laughs> we have The Price We Pay from 2022 with uh, Stephen Dorff doing his best... Uh, logan slash wolverine impression on the cover art here with that shit ass hairdo and uh if you ever wondered what happened to emil hirsch uh he he's he belongs to lionsgate now because um he was in that force of nature movie that i believe was directed by kate bosworth's husband kate bosworth is also in the movie as is mel gibson they fight a fucking monsoon or whatever or a hurricane um also holy shit vernon wells is in here uh, Wes uh, from the Road Warrior. Um, yeah, I, I just love calling out Lionsgate films just because they always tickle me in exactly the right way. Um, okay, so let's move on down to the last release date of the month of February 28th. That would be, hey, today, February 28th, uh, the last day of the month. Uh, so we have here a, a big one that I may actually fucking buy. Um, this is a 4K release of a... I mentioned him earlier today. Uh, Antoine Fuqua's uh, Training Day. Uh, this is... Oh, oh, shit, I forgot it was written by David Ayer. That actually makes... Oh, my God, that actually makes too much fucking sense. He's got, it's got his fingerprints all over it. Thankfully, he didn't direct it. Um, anyway, uh, powerhouse performance from Denzel Washington. Ethan Hawke kind of matches him beat for beat, though. Uh, stellar uh supporting cast as well uh this is an excellent film it's kind of the movie that as far as i understand like a lot of people carry in the back of their mind whenever they hear antoine fuqua's name unfortunately it looms extremely large in his filmography because it as far as i know it it's never been better uh, for him than this which is unfortunate um i still i still show up for antoine fuqua's films though um, I don't know what it is about him, but like I, I do, I am a mark for for Antoine Fuqua. Um, I do watch pretty much anything he makes these days, uh, even though most of it's garbage. Uh, well, it's not garbage. That's mean. Although I did hear that that uh, that Maki Mock film he made for a uh, Paramount or whatever was was straight garbage. Um, but anyway, uh, this is one from two thousand one that I I should own this movie. Uh, it's very very good it's been a really long time since i've seen it too um also the girlfriend hasn't seen it um so be nice to introduce it to her um i used the phrase dad films earlier today and uh the marathon man is also coming to 4k this is from 1976 starring dustin hoffman and also featuring featuring roy scheider um i'm not gonna say more than that uh lawrence olivier is also in here as well um my dad uh, was super hyped about this movie. Uh, he had me watch it when I was fairly young. Um, is it safe? Is that's 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 the quote everybody remembers from this one. Uh, this is a this is a, a gripping little espionage thriller. Um, it's been a really long time since I've seen it. I'm not about to buy it, um, but it does carry a reputation, um, and it's justified. It is a very very good film. Um, Okay, so I I'm running out of I'm running out of gas here, so I'm, I'm gonna try to restrain myself. But we also have 
a box set here of uh, Rocky the Knockout Collection. This is being put up. This is being put up by Warner Brothers, and this is a box that consists of Rocky, Rocky Two, Rocky Three, and Rocky Four, as well as Rocky Four, Rocky versus Drago, aka the very recently released, I saw it in theaters, because I'm a cool person, um, director's cut of Rocky IV. So technically, I guess this includes five films, if you if you consider that a independent film in its own right. This is strange. Um, this, this is a very odd product. Um, as far as I know, this currently is the only way to obtain... Uh, the Rocky IV, Rocky versus Drago film. Um, so that's, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, if this continues to be the only way to get that, um, I may end up actually opening my wallet to get this. I'm holding out hope um, that it'll get an individual release at some point. Um, but as it stands, I believe this is the only way to get a physical copy of that. Um, the reason why this is so fucking strange is because there, there are more than four Rocky movies. Um, there's Rocky V, Rocky Balboa, and of course the Creed films, which just got a trilogy as of, well, for me anyway, yesterday. I saw it in theaters because I'm a cool person. Uh, ahead of the official release date, again, because I'm a cool person. Um, so my, my uh, tinfoil hat theory on this one is that in the past few years, uh, there's been a very, very ugly and public feud going on between Sylvester Stallone and I believe it's Erwin Winkler. Um, it's uh, Chartoff and Winkler are the two core producers of the whole Rocky ecosystem. Um, I believe it's Winkler, though, who he has beef with. And as far as I understand it, the beef comes from the rights to the character of Rocky Balboa and basically the franchise being taken away from Sylvester Stallone and granted to the producer. Um, and he's, you know, obviously not happy about that. Now, there's part of me that suspects that perhaps uh, maybe Stallone made that alternative cut of Rocky Four as an attempt to maintain ownership of, of that particular, like, that unique film or something. And also maybe specifically the films contained in this box, that is not all of the Rocky films. Maybe this is like a, a ploy to retain ownership of some sort. I don't know the politics. I don't know the details, but this, this is suspect for a variety of reasons. And I want to say that that, that may be the reason why it's just a total guess. I, I don't know. Um, I love the Rocky films though. Um, I've said it numerous times on the podcast. Some of the most important films to me as a person, uh, very important to my family. Uh, I absolutely adore all of them in their own right, uh, even Rocky V. Uh, upon most recent rewatch, I actually enjoyed it more than I ever have. Um, yeah, uh, Rocky's very, very special to me, and I am really hopeful that someday uh, I can just get Rocky for uh, Rocky versus Drago on its own as opposed to this really wonky box that doesn't it's a it's a box that doesn't even have everything from the franchise in it it's like why would I do that intentionally very strange anyway moving on I've said too much already uh, we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, being put out by MPI Media Group 
this is being put out on 4K. And this is, of course, from director Toby Hooper from the year 1974. Um, I actually saw this movie for the first time very recently, um, within the past year, um, for the podcast. Uh, my buddy Kyle, who I regularly do the podcast with, uh, he he was the one responsible for picking that for the show. He was very enthusiastic about it. He knew the film. He'd seen the film. Uh, and he knew I had not. Um, so that was that was really neat. Uh, getting to see where it all kind of began for uh, Toby Hooper and for this seemingly invincible franchise, this thing that just keeps on trucking. Um, it's a very good film. Uh, just in general, it's just a really well-made film. Uh, f- genuinely unsettling as well. Like, it still holds up, uh, even though it's from 1974. Um, but it's, it's shot incredibly well. It's edited with confidence, and some of the performances are excellent. Uh, very, very good. Um, but MPI Media Group could be wrong, but I think they might be, I want to say they're like German or something. I think I got like one of my first, I think I got my first disc of theirs pretty recently in the form of a Korean movie called The Roundup. Uh, that was a fun one, by the way. Uh, if you like Ma Dong Suk and you like watching him punch people, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we have Puss in Boots, the, the Last Wish. From 2022, um, this is the apparently this movie's still kicking ass in the theaters, even though this disc is being put out this month. Um, apparently, it's still like top five uh, box office uh, take um, in in the country. Anyway, I can't speak for internationally, but um, yeah, Puss in Boots apparently is doing really well. Uh, I haven't actually seen any of the Puss in Boots films. I think I tapped out on Shrek, maybe at three. I only remember two, though. Um, so the, just DreamWorks animation in general has not been something I, I've ever been particularly invested in. Um, but see, like seeing the style of animation incorporated in this film does make me kind of interested to check it out um, because we are, we are starting to see a, a trend, uh, like officially as of the release of this film, of somewhat experimental uses of cgi animation and frame rates in particular um into the spider-verse uh is of course the film that this one obviously draws some inspiration from um but not only that you're you're starting to see a lot of uh blatant illusions and imitations of of things that you generally only see in like 2d hand-drawn japanese animation like anime um, and they're they're being very blatant about it in such a way that it's actually like I, I think we've crossed a threshold, and and I'll I'll have a lot more to say about this in other podcasts in future podcasts down the road, but I th- I think there there was a cultural taboo of sorts that kept animators and kept filmmakers from doing things like that as in as 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 loud in an upfront a fashion. As they're doing now, um, so I think we we've gotten over a hurdle of some sort, and you're gonna see a lot more of this stuff um, because we're we're just starting to get into it now. Um, so get used to it; it's, it's here to stay. Um, the kids love the anime, not just the kids too. It's it's for everybody now. Uh, feels weird, man. <laughs> um, we have uh, Dragonheart on 4K from 1996 uh, from Shout Factory. <laughs> This comes to us from uh, director and noted scumbag, uh, Rob Cohen. He is a bad person, but this is not a bad film. 
I actually really liked this movie when I was a kid, uh, such that I have considered owning it uh, at several points in my life. I don't know if 4K is the right route to go considering the age of the CGI, but, you know, for the record, I saw Dragonheart when I was, like, nine, and I liked it. And I still like it, so tough shit. Um, we have... Uh, what do we have? Um, we have a lot of re-releases, a lot of steel books, things that I'm not going to get into. Uh, we have... Oh, here we go. Certified fresh release of Devotion on 4K from 2022. I'm sure Paramount uh, was eager to cash in on the uh, synergy of the star of this film, Jonathan Majors, uh, having literally two films in the theater, currently screening in theaters, um, in the form of both Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, and Creed III. Uh, so Jonathan Majors has been long looming as the man of the hour. Um, I don't know what it is about the guy, but uh, I've every time I've heard his name brought up in conversation, like between film critics. He is always showered with praise. He is always pointed at as being the next big thing. He is magnetic. He is wonderful. He is the guy. I just saw Creed 3 the other day, and I thought he was good. Just leave it at that. (laughs) I don't know if he's the guy, but I haven't seen the... I haven't seen all of his films. Uh, I think I've seen him in exactly two films. I've seen him in Jungle Land... Uh, which is not a film I don't think many people have seen, but he has a very small role in that, and he is quite good in it. Um, and I saw him in Creed Three just yesterday. Uh, I was impressed with him. Um, I I didn't get like next big thing energy from his performance, um, but if if the mouse, if Mickey fucking Mouse has a lot of confidence in the guy, um, he must be doing something right. Um, so I, apparently I haven't seen the right movies for Jonathan Majors. But anyway, this is a Korean war film um, about aviators. Um, I'm a sucker for war films. I'm a sucker for aviation. Uh, I'm surprised I haven't seen this yet. (laughs) Um, I actually would like to watch this. Um, I, despite the certified fresh stamp on it, I haven't heard much of, I haven't heard much of anything about it. As far as I understand, it's like fairly boilerplate uh, as far as like war films go. Um, it is worth noting that like every every film reviewer out there has mentioned this, but the, the novelty factor of having Glenn Powell be in Top Gun Maverick and this like within basically the same calendar year is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I haven't heard much of anything about this one, um, but it, the subject matter is enough to pique my interest and also just to get another look at Jonathan Majors, just to, to like try to f- suss out what it is about the guy that everybody's so high on. Um, anyway, uh, we have The Dogs from 1979. Uh, this, uh, hey, Gerard Depardieu. Uh, this is from, it looks like Severin. I think that's the label. Yes, it is. Uh, I've seen that movie talked about in some corners of the internet, but I forget what was said. Um, we have a Criterion release of Hollywood Shuffle, from 1987. Uh, This is from director Robert Townsend. I'll just go ahead and uh, read the plot description here. An actor limited to stereotypical roles because of his ethnicity, he is a black man, uh, dreams of making it big as a highly respected performer. 
As he makes his rounds, the film takes a satiric look at African-American actors in Hollywood. I'd be interested to check that out. Now, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but I'm looking at the cover art, and I'm hearing the name Robert Townsend, and I think I know him as the Meteor Man. I'm going to look it up right now. Holy shit, he is the Meteor Man. <laughs> I like Meteor Man. <laughs> like, I know he's done other things. I know he's done a lot of things, but that's how I know Robert Townsend. He's the Meteor Man. <laughs> I, I remember when my family rented Meteor Man when I was a kid. That was a fun one. It got really weirdly intense, though. Like, especially, like, some of the stuff involving the, the gangsters and uh, when the Meteor hits him. Like, that was pretty fucking violent, man. I mean, I know it's Hollywood Shuffle. I know it's, it's Criterion release. But for some reason, now all I can think about is the fucking Meteor Man. <laughs> wonder how much Meteor Man costs on Amazon right now. Um, moving on, though. Uh, we have Betwixt Now and Sunrise from 2011. Um, now, I did... I read what was written on the Blu-ray.com profile for this because I... I was curious what this was because I saw Elle Fanning, I saw Francis Ford Coppola, and I read the title and I was like, "But, but that—that's not Twixt." And and from what I understand, um, Coppola has been relentlessly mining the depths of his own filmography to seemingly put out alternative cuts of anything and everything he can get his hands on, and. My understanding is that he's doing so likely, and th this is all bullshit to, from pulled directly from my asshole. Very similar to my thoughts on the the, uh, the other uh, Italian American filmmaker uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, and his issues with Erwin uh, Winkler. Um, my theory about this is that it is known that he is currently. Uh, this is Francis Ford Coppola, by the way. Um, it is known that he is currently in the midst of production of what is to be apparently his 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 big final epic film. Uh, I forget the title, it's like it's like Metropolis or something along that along those lines. Um, and as far as I know he's he's independently financing it through American Zoetrope um, as he has been doing for most of his films for a long time now. Um, my guess is that by putting out these alternative cuts, it's like probably like a cost-effective way of recycling your old material and reaping a profit. And I'm pretty sure the idea is, and again, this is all speculation, I'm pretty sure the idea is a lot of this isn't doing for artistic purposes. This is being done for the purpose of financing his current film project. So anyway, this is apparently a an alternative version of Twixt, um, which is a terrible film from what i understand and also from what i understand i don't think this is very good either um but yeah my my brother uh <laughs> kind soul that he is uh provided me with a a selection of clips of uh, val kilmer's performance uh in this film in the in the original that is in twixt and uh if you want to if you want to google that shit uh you will have yourself a a great great ass time because uh I don't think it's intentional, but he is fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, and yeah, this is one of those 
this is one of those movies that it's like shot on digital and it, it looks absolutely terrible in ways that suggest perhaps the filmmaker didn't understand the technologies that he was working with. Um, I've not seen Twixt, nor will I see Twixt or be Twixt now in Sunrise, um, but this is just a, another curiosity that I felt was worth highlighting um, because it's very easy to gloss over it on the calendar. Um, beside that, though, we have an Arrow release of Millionaire's Express. Uh, this is from 1986. Uh, wow, one movie and four different cuts. Uh, this stars Sammo Hung, as well as uh, features Yoon Biao and uh, Yasuaki Kurata and Richard Norton and Cynthia Rothrock and Rosamund Kwan. Holy fucking shit. Uh, yeah, this movie is a all-star, absolutely all-star uh, American, Australian, Japanese, Chinese uh, starring film from Hong Kong. Um, this is this is one that I like. We'll we'll pick up. Uh, I know its reputation very very well, and all of those names that I just rattled off in rapid succession carry quite a lot of weight with me personally. Um, very excited to check that out, um, and I'm also very excited to check out uh, a common writer series that I actually do have legit enthusiasm for. That would be Common Rider Black, um, which is being brought to us not from Shout Factory, but Discotech Media, um, who I own several of their discs. They do excellent work. They do charge a very pretty penny um, for all their releases, unfortunately. Um, but Common Rider Black from 1987 to 1988 um, is supposed to be, I don't know if I'd call it the crown jewel of the Common Rider franchise, but it carries a stellar reputation among Common Rider shows. Um, it's the one that I was most enamored with without ever having seen it. I actually own the soundtrack uh, for this series um, by uh, Eiji Kawamura, uh, who did a handful of Kamen Rider shows around this time. Uh, excellent composer. Some truly magnificent brass and uh, synth combinations. Really cool stuff. And his score for Kamen Rider Black is fantastic. Um, this is so fucking expensive, <laughs> um, but I'm, I really want to get it. Because um, Common Rider Black, I, I've I've always wanted to see it. Like as long as I've been a fan of Common Rider, it's the one. It's the one that has always eluded me. It's the one that I've always wanted to see. So it, I'd feel bad if I didn't get this at some point. Um, we have Lost Faith from 1992. This is from Saturn's Core Audio and Video. Um, not gonna lie, that guy in the cover with the busted ass face looked kind of like Larry Fessenden if you know what that is. Uh, this looks like a, a ultra indie film. Uh, still looks like it, it's a VHS film. It's from 1992. Um, this is where we're starting to get into Vinegar Syndrome and their partner labels. So um, forgive me if I don't call out all of them. Um, in fact, I'm probably just going to try my best to call them out right now because uh, I, I can't keep track of this shit. Uh, we have Amigo from 2019, two films by Marguerite Duras, in Between Girl from 2021, For De Plasma from 2014, Foxhole from 2021, uh, that's from Yellow Veil Pictures, and <laughs> Jack Fessenden, and produced by Larry Fessenden. Wow, that's funny. I didn't make. I did not intend to make a connection there, but just caught my eye. Um, okay, that's it for now. Uh, but uh, let's get back on track here. Oh, uh, we have 
Fist of the North Star, colon, The Legend of the True Savior, dash, Legend of Raul, colon, Chapter of Death in Love, <laughs> from 2006. Uh, Japan, why do you title things the way you title them? Um, I owned, at one point, a, uh, a bootleg DVD of this. Uh, this is a 2006 kind of adaptation, but also... It takes a slightly different angle. It takes a slightly different spin on the source material of uh, Fist of the North Star, of uh, Hokuto no Ken, um, one of my favorite manga and anime ever uh, from very, very, very much from the 80s. Um, but this is the mid-2000s version of it um, done with mid-2000s animation styling and technique. Um, it is also like a PG-13 film, though. Um, so that's really important for anybody who's interested in this one to note is that it it does not include the trademark uh, gore explosions um, that Fist of the North Star is largely known for. Um, but this is the uh, this is basically a retelling of the chapter of of the manga or the anime um, wherein Kenshiro fights a uh, Souther, I believe, um, unless I'm getting this wrong. Um, they may have released it out of order, actually, uh, because the one that I had... No, no, I got it right. Um, that one's probably still to come, the one with uh, Rao, um, as well as uh, Yuria. So I saw this. I used to own it on bootleg DVD. It's it's okay. Soundtrack is fucking kick-ass, though. Um, beautiful score. Absolutely beautiful score. Um I'm struggling to remember who did it, uh, but I, I have it like on a playlist stored away somewhere. Uh, absolutely stellar soundtrack. Um, we have um, Hunt from 2022. This is also a Korean film being put out by Magnet. Uh, all-star cast. Um, I caught a trailer for this one um, not that long ago. I think it was actually on my, uh, my uh, Project Wolf Hunting disc. And I don't know, it wasn't it wasn't completely clicking with me. I was like, that looks, that looks nice, but it, I've, I've seen better. Um, so I'm not super hyped about that one, but it does have a lot of actors in it that I like. Um, and it is, you know, an espionage thriller with, you know, some assault rifles thrown in. So it's, it can't all be bad. Um, what else we got? Uh, we got God's Country from 2022, uh, certified fresh from IFC Films. Uh, starring, uh, no, I'm not going to get into that one. <laughs> the certified fresh stamp jumped out at me, but uh, I'm just not particularly interested. Um, we, <laughs> we have Detective Knight, colon, Independence, uh, from 2023. This is yet another, uh, Bruce Willis, uh, film. Um, I believe this is another one that's, uh, I forget the name of the fellow. Corey Large, I think, is the fellow that kind of has been pulling him along for all of these films. Um, they just keep putting him out. And apparently my buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, he told me in Michigan, you can see some of these Detective Night films in theaters, if you're so inclined. Um, and I think that's about it, actually, uh, for the month of February. Uh, thankfully, they were kind to me in terms of the sheer volume of Vinegar Syndrome releases. Uh, I think I would have blown out my vocal cords trying to get through all of those uh, if they had had a normal month. Um, so now is the portion of the uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray episode wherein I'll uh, 
point out any titles that I think I'm actually going to pick up uh, this month. Um, so this is usually a lot more interesting if uh, Brad's here to do it with me, but uh, it's just you and I, so uh, bear with me here. Um, so that Fist of the North Star Blu-ray, I, I mean, part of me wants to get it just because I like I like the franchise so much, but if I'm being absolutely honest with myself, it's, it's okay. Like that that's as far as Fist of the North Star products go. I'd actually be a lot more interested in picking up the Gary D- Daniels headlined live action movie than this, just for the novelty factor. This was fine, but if I'm if I really want to revisit it, more than likely I'll be satisfied just listening to the soundtrack or something. Because I mean it, it it really does have great music. Common um, Rider Black, that that's got to happen. That's that's it's just got to happen. Uh, Millionaire's Express doesn't have to happen, but I want it to. Um, Hollywood Shuffle looks interesting, at the very least. I'd like to see that. I don't know if I want to blind buy it. Same goes for Devotion. I do I do want to see that, mostly because I'm curious about Jonathan Majors, but also because I, I like a good war movie and I like fucking planes. I like planes. I don't like inserting my dick in them. Correction. Uh, what else we got here? Um, Dragonheart on 4K. <sighs> I don't know if I want a 4K of that movie just because I know it's going to make the effects look all the worse, but I have had that movie on my mind lately. It doesn't help that I just reviewed The Hurricane Heist uh, with my buddy Brad, um, which just happens to be from the same director, so it it has been on my mind for at least a week now. Um, That Rocky box set is so fucking weird. I do want those movies on 4K, but I like them all in one neat little package, not spread out like this. Why you do this? Um, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, Magnificent Seven on 4K. That is a maybe. That is a very strong maybe, in fact, because I have not seen that movie, but I have always wanted to, uh, and I have a lot of reasons to check it out. Um, I've heard mostly good things. Uh, Project Wolf Hunting. Already got it. It's pretty good. Um, the Fablemans. That is a... Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to blind buy that, but I really do want to see that. Um, Biozombie from Vinegar Syndrome. I, I might, I think I might pick that up. Uh, I haven't seen it in a really long time, and I really did enjoy it. Um, plus, I just like now now that I've had a lot of time watching his material, I really just like Wilson Yip as a director. Um, Pinocchio nine six four. Um, we we have done in the past on catching up on cinema a fucked up shit month uh where we watch fucked up movies i don't think i'm gonna buy pinocchio 964 but i actually will be surprised if i go my whole life without seeing it um so i probably won't buy it but i i probably end up i probably will end up seeing it um and black panther uh black panda (laughs) wakanda forever uh yeah, uh, I, I have all the MCU movies. Uh, this I'm obviously going to pick this up. It's just a matter of when. Uh, these movies always come out at like 30 fucking dollars, and it's like, could we not? So I, I tend to wait these movies out where it's like, I can wait. You know, I, I know you guys are never going to stop making these fucking movies, so I'm, I'm in no hurry. I'll catch up eventually. Um, so I don't know when I'll be getting this one, but rest assured I will be. Um, anyway... Uh, that's about it for the month of February 2023 on this edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray. 
Um, but if you're at all interested um, and would like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can do so by navigating to our website of catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. 